Empowered Health, a podcast shedding light on how healing is an inside job. Keys to your inner power and total transformation. Discussing wholeness, wellness, and the effects of the mind on the physical and energetic parts of our being. A podcast to support you, moving from fear and pain into wellness and purpose. Belief, hope, connection, energetic keystones for transformation and inner power. Sacred knowledge that inspires us to look within, to find our own unique path. Empowered health, release and rewire to become what you truly are, strong, whole, and empowered. Hi everyone, this is Jane and Shell, your naturopathic doctors, here to inspire and support you on your journey. Today we have James Finney. James was born in the north of England in 1975 and he peaked as an 11-year-old womanizer. Then life became just somewhere to play. He pushed back against seriousness, seriousness until it won. Then he became hateful of life until this year, and something gradually changed. Welcome, James. Ah, oh, hello. Thank welcome, you very much. James. Welcome, James. Hello there. Yes, thank you for having me uh, both. Yes. <laughs> so, James, let's dig into that. So you went through a really difficult time for a period of your life. Yeah. And now you're in a totally different place. What Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gradually. <laughs> what, yeah. Ha what happened between then and now and what brought you to this better place you're in? Oh, okay. Uh, we're going with the deep ones. Starting deep. Okay. Um, we just pushed you up the deep end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about a cup of tea? That would be nice. Uh, no. Okay. So that's all right. Um, I suppose you have to sort of delineate the starting point as uh, the last recorded high, and then go from that. So at the age of 11, yes, life was tickety-boo. I don't know whether that's a phrase that's common over in the, uh, the North Americas, uh, meaning everything's good, fine and jolly. And in that time, I had lots of girls that I liked. Uh, they liked me. I was great at school. Uh, the only thing I was lacking was the sort of male bonding in regards to male sports, that sort of thing. I wasn't really in those. I was in the geeky stuff like the chess club and all the other sort of stuff that you don't really want to get into when you're 11 or heading into your prime, as it were. So things were good then. But when we moved to the middle of nowhere, it was a completely radical change. And for whatever reason, my attention stuck on that as being the point when things sort of went slippity slidey down. Um, 
there were periods of bullying and aggravation and such like and a, a period of life that I didn't really want to be a part of. After that came the Wackaday world. I didn't want to be part of college or university because I didn't like the people going there. So that was a bit of a hindrance. I didn't like jobs. I didn't like myself. So it was a bit of a dark place to be for about maybe 25, 30 years, probably. Um, yeah, a roller coaster time, but ne not many high points. I couldn't go, oh, that was a great day. Do you know what I mean? You can't, can't even pick out a day that we're going, that was a great day. Um, yeah. All, be all because you had this move that you never felt settled into or accepted by well, the I, people and it just yeah. completely shut you in or? I believe so. However, there's an odd philosophy within the field of psychology. I say it's odd. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. That if you, if the issue you have in life and you believe you're aware of the issue in life, it can't be an effect of you. So what I'm thinking is the issue of my life, the move when I was 11. Situations would have resolved because I'm aware of it. However, it didn't. So I'm probably looking in the wrong place. It probably isn't that actual incident. It's just what's true for me but it's probably something else because if I was aware of it, it wouldn't be a problem to me. So I think it's something subconsciously was a problem around that period of time. What? I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's where I sort of see as a, an alteration in my life that went uh, the wrong way, shall we say? Because you explain it like you were so outgoing and you had lots of friends and you felt very comfortable in your own skin. <laughs> you all um, of a sudden feeling like really... I don't know about lots of friends. You can have the illusion that you think they're lots of friends, but were there? Um, I could have started, I think I lived a very sheltered and very uh, protected life where I was kept indoors. I wasn't allowed out to play out with the others. Uh, wasn't in any after school clubs and things like that. So I'm not being woe to me and oh, my mummy overprotected me and that sort of thing. But I wasn't, I didn't have a big social circuit. So a lot of my life was in here in my room doing whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And maybe the move, you know, shattered that enough or changed your perception enough that it did, no longer felt safe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I thought I was, I don't know. I just didn't fit in. And it was um, very clear to me that I didn't fit in. And then I started to think, well, do I fit in life? Uh, mm -hmm. is, is there any part of this existence I'm ever going to fit into? Yeah, And that became a constant repetitive question that I didn't fit in, didn't feel I belong. And every day became a hateful day, as it were. Hmm. I think that's a very, like, I'm so sorry you experienced that, James, but I, th I really feel like that is a Fine. human condition. Yeah. I think you would be hard pressed to find somebody who hasn't felt displaced by a community within their life at some point. Yeah. Like my childhood, I felt pushed out of the tribe, out of the okay. community and ostracized. And it followed me for a long time too. I knew how to heal it, but yeah, it's... It's devastating. Yeah. It's devastating. And it's it really affects your whole outlook. So what happened next? What changed? Oh, um, what changed? going to give you a long uncomfortable silence there as I try and think or find events Perfect. um it's all a gradual thing there's nothing instantaneous there's nothing like a magic box of tricks that you've opened or you bought something and gone ha ah. um there were certain books I bought but I I can't remember their titles um they were 
slightly inspiring or to show other possibilities or options in life. Uh, while I was stuck in my head anyway, you may as well deal with the book. There's no one else in the room, so a book is fine. Uh, I suppose the only guests in my head at the time were authors um, or people on the TV. That was the only thing that was sort of uh, in my universe. Um, I, I don't know of any particular event other than it was getting harder and harder and harder to remain positive and keep going. Uh, mm -hmm. I was always starting to plan the end, as it were, or find ways of retracting from life and then eventually disappearing. But for some reason in recent months, I've gotten into a, a community whereby I'm talking and meeting lots of people virtually on a daily basis. I say meeting physically probably only once a week, but the rest is virtual. But that in itself has been a huge help and a huge um, extroversion from one's own mad mind, as it were. Mm -hmm. And you state that part of that is really listening to other, other stories and that that has been very influential with you. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm inspired easily by other people's stories. Um, however, there's a difference between inspired and being active. You can feel inspired, but does it lead to anything? Uh, you can sit in bed and be inspired all day, but does it lead to any activity? Uh, I think a major issue I've had in life is the fact that I've been in a mind trap, stuck in there, and I've burnt all my mental energy there, as opposed to a physical energy doing something in the real universe. Um, so it can be tiring. I, I'm assuming, I think, I, I might be wrong here, but you can burn just as many calories thinking as you can actually working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember when I taught a course of empowerment to teenagers, I would teach them the power of love and, you know, changing every cell in your body by focusing on that energy. But there was also the power of action, mm. you know, like, cause you can have all the dreams in the world, but taking action on them is how we bring them into reality in this world. So, yes. And I've been a, uh, a very technically, in many things that I do, I want to be perfect, but that doesn't actually get you anywhere. That sort of um, stops you. It's use it as an excuse, really. Oh, I can't go yet. I'm not ready. I'm not good enough at that yet. I'm not going to do this because I need to be perfect. But you're not going to get perfect unless you start. Uh, it's like when I learned, the, I wanted to learn guitar and I wanted to play all the great heavy metal stuff, but I just couldn't be asked with the scales and all that stuff in between. So I never got there because... I didn't want to do the, um, all the effort as it were. And, you know, that is such a, an important message to send to people because I find, you know, when we get isolated and in our own head, um, then it's easy for us to talk ourselves out of doing things too, because we make all of these excuses mm -hmm. and, you know, it's different when your best friend knocks on your door and says, James, come out. We're going to go and play some tennis. I know you're in there. Come yes. out. Like <laughs> we need sometimes this community around us to help us get out of our heads and motivate us to, to just get moving. And yeah. when we're isolated, who does that? Nobody. So no. easy to just go weeks and weeks and weeks without doing anything because no one's invited yes. you to go. Yeah, uh, you, can let your, you can let your house fall apart because you know no one's coming. Uh, 
Whereas right. if you book, if you've like scheduled someone to come around, you can guarantee the Hoover's going to be out before they get in. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> sometimes that's so true. Like sometimes you have to invite somebody over just uh, to get the motivation to do oh, your house stuff. Oh yeah, I had yeah. five friends over two weeks ago. I cannot believe the amount of things I got done. <laughs> it's, yeah. I love that you're talking about this. It's like, you know, it's, information that we all need to talk about more so many times we let on that my life is perfect everything is great you know no problem here and we don't talk about these things so it's, yeah yeah it's i find um a lot of people i speak to i'm not into the cliche of oh hello how are you I, I genuinely would ask how are you and i wait for an answer most people would carry on walking i'll wait for the answer um or there's some strange people I've noticed of late. They'll say, fine, thanks. And I haven't even asked yet. You know, where you sort of say, hello. And they go, oh, fine, thanks. And I, I haven't actually asked. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a weird thing that I, I've noticed some people that um, they have a circuit, a social response mechanism, but actually it's a lie and it's quite a clear lie. And I think they get immediately uncomfortable when I pull them up and go, why, what's, what's really happening? And then it's a sort of like, oh, well, bah, bah, bah. You get that quite a lot. I had that with my mum yesterday, but I just ignored it. I because she was more interested in watching a film, so I let it. I let her go with it. But I knew there was something going on or something up. But I'm not going to engage anymore because she's not interested in communicating about it. So that's fine. And you know, so many of us have dissociated from our own reality to accept a virtual reality as our lives, i.e., watching yes. TV. You know. Yes interacting in a fictitious life instead of our own yes i know lots of people of my age that were younger were playing computer games football games uh, and then got obsessed about being like a football manager or building this team and this whole virtual world of managing virtual people and having virtual success when they could have actually gone out and maybe had some real success but instead they do their work they go home looking forward to having virtual success which is a very it's a weird um, thing, which is getting more and more prevalent, but seems to be socially acceptable. But I don't think it is a, uh, a useful thing to be having. You know, people say, oh, it's, it's good, it's fun, but it's quite an addictive and false reality to get addicted to. So I was into that a lot when I was a kid, but I've left it alone now. I'd rather, if I can, play with real money and have a game with that as opposed to virtual money. Mm -hmm, that's a very good point. Because that online gaming on like these creating these virtual worlds, that's a huge part of, you know, teenagers existences now. It's a huge time. In, instead of learning how to play the guitar, they're playing yes. it. Um, through well, like yeah, the, the virtual rock star game, the right. guitar is, is, it's not a proper guitar. Well, right. Look, I can play the guitar. No, you can't. You're, you're, you're just following lights. You're not actually playing a guitar. Let's be but clear why? about that. You know, what, what's interesting about where this conversation is going is it usually happens when people lose trust and faith in hanging out with other people. Like that no longer yes. becomes a safe, fun thing to do. So they create these virtual realities. And, you know, there, there yeah. is a change in our society now where I don't know if bullying is more prevalent or if it's just more talked about, but I feel like it's more prevalent as well. well There's more corporate bullying. I think marketing is the main bully nowadays. It's not the individuals, it's actual, the system is the bully. 
The system uh, is the bully. You need to yeah, wear the, this, do this, act like this. Governments taxing, that's bullying. Um, if you want to run a business a certain way, we have to adhere to policy. And if you don't, then you're told off. Is that not bullying? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of mainstream bullying going on. I think advertising is bullying. You know, if you don't like that product, there's something wrong with you. If you don't buy into it, there's something wrong with you. There's a lot of that that goes on. Absolutely. So that's the matrix, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we need a jolly good power cut for a good few weeks. <laughs> a jolly good power cut. That's uh, that, that was... totally what we need. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, to have people talking to each other about interesting things. Yes. I, and I meeting each other over for dinner. and Yeah, people are panicking on, the, on my phone, going, oh, what about this? What about that? Like, but if you didn't have that phone, if you didn't have the news, and you just only had your street, your neighborhood, you'd know nothing about any of it. Yeah. And you'd probably be happy as a pig in mud. <laughs> and, you'd, and you'd probably go out and actually talk to your neighbors. Yes. Because, you know, you'd be desperate to see somebody and do something yeah. different. Do you know the names of your neighbors? I absolutely do not. <laughs> right then. So, so the lesson today, after we've done this. <laughs> yeah, I, I know one side of my neighbors. I don't know the other. I, I can ex- make the excuse if they're new, they've moved in, but that was three months ago. Uh, <laughs> but we've exchanged parcels, but that's about as far as it goes. But yeah, I know my other neighbors, but I don't know everyone on the street. I should do, really. So what would you say to your younger self, like your younger self who was, you know, living completely in your head, feeling very dissociated, very um, unfulfilled? Mm. What would you say if you could go back in time? Time travel films are a a huge uh, mind opening thing for me because the parallels and things you could do with those are fantastic. Um, But in regards to your question, what would I say to myself? I don't know whether it'd be saying anything. I'd probably do something like I'd throw everything out the window. I would trash it all, maybe. Um, throw out the phone. <laughs> just, just get rid of anything possibly that's virtual, and get a, get rid of any dependency. Instead of living with other people in their house, just raise the necessity level of right. Just square one. Go produce. Go do something. That's what I'd probably do. I would also, um, yeah, all the errors I've made financially, I would start off with proper policy. And I would say, here's a folder, follow that. You'll be fine if you go along with that. Don't listen to any of the rest of this stuff. That's what I would do. That's a long dossier, so I wouldn't go into that right now. You know what? That's such an, that is an interesting topic in itself because most people want to turn back time with how they've handled their finances, right? Mm, yes. Most people want to go back and say, you know what? I remember being given that MasterCard when I was 18 and in university and had no way to pay it back. And I should have just said, no, thank you. I can't afford to have a credit card. <laughs> well, or say no to university and use the card to buy an actual proper course. Right, right. That's what yeah. I'm, I would advise. I would only invest it wisely. Either buy a saleable asset or invest it in yourself in regards to an actual learning or a skill. Don't use it for anything that's not saleable. Mm-hmm. Like not 
you wouldn't use money for things that were just enjoyable? No, not a credit card. Not, nothing debt-wise, no. Nothing debt-wise. I agree, right? Yeah. Yes. Like that should be, that's something that we're just not taught in this society, that you don't no. buy things that you can't afford with debt. Yes. We're taught the opposite. We're taught the opposite. You know, buy now, pay later. You're not, you're, do you mean you're bullied into it? Yeah. Oh, I think you're bullied <laughs> into it. Absolutely. It's all yes. subconscious. Yes. But there's definitely a message of if you want to look successful, you have to have a certain outfit on or you have to drive a certain, a certain car or, you know, it's endless. Yeah, but that's only looking. I, I once was asked by a, a man who owned a business. It's a very successful local business with many millions. And he had me in his office and he asked myself and, some, and a, a friend, um, look, what, what can we do to look professional? And we both fell about laughing because that was all he could see. He only wanted to look professional. He didn't want to be professional. There was nothing we could do to help him because his own, his problem in his universe was just looking professional. That wasn't the problem. His actions weren't professional. Um, so yeah, we didn't really help him. We just laughed. I think, I think he threw us out of the office actually, but uh, yeah, it's a, there's this impression of looking successful, but success is something you gain and build. It's, it's an accumulation of momentum. And I think the actual word comes from succeed, meaning to take the throne. So by definition, success is being the king of your own domain or queen of your own domain, isn't it really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we get brainwashed into like fake it till you make it, you know, so run out and get that luxury car, slap it on a credit card. And yeah, <laughs> that, that's an alteration of fake it till you make it, though, isn't it? There's the assumed the beingness of someone able and successful, but you don't were the beingness of someone who's successful. You know, you could buy a car, you could buy the clothes, but that is not being a successful person. You, you, do you know what I mean? You, you would, I, I, from what I've seen in life, you have to adopt the actual character, not not the makeup and all the props that go with it. You have to adopt the character as if you're acting. That way you can fake it. But then yeah. technically, are you faking it? Or have you just decided to be successful? Yeah. That's a whole yeah. other rabbit hole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That but is a good rabbit hole. To have genuine ideals. Yeah. Yeah. And habits. Yeah. And habits. Yeah. So what, what has changed the most, James, now? Because you're quite, you know, you enjoy listening to people. I remember being really depressed myself once. And whenever I say... To, like I just close my eyes and say I'm here to help I get like actually filled with the energy of love and I know I'm on the right track and that doors will open for me but mm -hmm. what happened to you um I got I think two positive things I got from it were feedback that people were genuinely interested in how I was communicating and how I was as a person and secondly I enjoy seeing other people flourish and succeed and being close to them and seeing them light up or find their niche um, is a great thing. And I like listening to people or I've had conversations recently where people have thanked me after for because of the conversation, they've become more aware of their own ability that they are, 
they may have had doubts, but by me lightly grilling them and toasting them on their subject or their specialist skill, they actually are aware that, yeah, actually I can do this and I am able to do this. So that's a, a thing I really enjoy doing. Um, yeah, I, I've actually, it's my biggest thing is just having a conversation with people and it rolling to be able to have a conversation with someone for, to roll for an hour and a half covering loads of subjects without any uncomfortable silence, without any awkwardness is, um, maybe it's skill. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a rare thing these days. I don't know, but I enjoy doing that. I like that buzz. So yeah, that, that's what makes me happy is getting a, a flow of energy between two beings, you know, where you're exchanging ideas and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. Well, I often say, well, to my girls, especially, but the skill of being able to listen to another with all your heart is definitely not, you know, a skill a lot of people have. And we do it on a regular basis as naturopathic doctors and homeopaths, where you listen to every word and, you know, and do that light grilling, like you say, to bring yeah. out information in another but such a gift is it all listening or is it a sixth sense does that actually it's probably more more than six senses but i perceive a lot more of what i perceive in communication is something else it's not your hearing it's not the sight there's you pick up emotions you, you can pick up a wavelength i think that's a skill that people need to work on because it is something we all have yeah and when when it really happens you're listening with your heart Mm. Right. Like that's the, the key to it all, because then the sixth sense does open up and, and it's like you're connected and the other, you know, the other, it brings things out in the conversation that couldn't happen yeah. otherwise. Mm. So, so it's so true. And if you're, you, we all know what it feels like to be listened to somebody who doesn't have our best interest at heart or who doesn't really <laughs> care. And then we yeah. automatically go into those um, automatic responses. Fine. Thanks. You know, yeah. what are you doing later? Not much, you know, how's it going? Good. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. as, just as much. Um, yeah. it basically <laughs> says, I don't trust you and you're not worthy of, you're not giving me the intention that I need to be open. Yeah. What's your favorite automatic answer that you hear? Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think when people, I think what irritates me, I guess, is when people say nothing, you know, what are you thinking about? Nothing. That's impossible, isn't it? I always I think, think you that <laughs> is impossible. Yeah. You just don't want true. to say. <laughs> yeah. My favorite one at the moment is when people say, oh, not too bad. I'm like, okay, so that's a degree of bad then. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But how many times in your life have you been truly listened to? Ooh, um, I don't know. It's not something I keep track of. I suppose maybe the events, you know, like, is it those moments when you're, you know, when you're, you were dating, you first were with someone and you had that night where you maybe talked for hours and hours and hours. Right. Do you mean that sort of thing? Or yeah. do you mean where you were just talking to someone on the bus and you just clicked. And then yes. before you knew it, it was time to get separated and you never saw each other ever again. It's so true. Uh, it's that communication that has this great momentum. Like you can't get enough of yeah. unraveling that other person. 
Yeah, I do like, I, as you say, unraveling is a great term because uh, I do like picking away and finding these qualities about people. But it's always odd. I look back on my own life and it's because I believe I've led a non-eventful life. It's, I find it strange how anyone could be interested because all I've done is live mostly in my head. So what have I got to talk about other than fantasy? Um, it's a bizarre thing that people are interested or, or inquiring about it when they do. So some ways I'm slightly suspicious, but on the other hand, it's also uh, quite pleasant. And uh, every time I answer the questions, it's always a unique answer because I can rest assured it won't be the same next time I'm asked that same question again. Mm -hmm. True. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> giving us a thoughtful pause. Um, okay. <laughs> my, my question is, you know, you kind of say that you related to this world as being madness and oh, yeah. not being very kind and not being very um, inclusive. How, how did you change those beliefs to be now curiously unraveling other humans? And Depends which world you're talking more. about. Because are you talking about you could refer to it as the matrix, the system, the way in the world is set up, or do you mean individual people? They're two different things. I, I don't have a tolerance for the world as it is. I have an interest in individual people, but I don't have a, an interest in groups, structures, um, and these divide and rule categories. I have no interest in it. Um, I am only interested in individual people, which as a sum, they do make these things. But if you're talking to a person, you're talking to a person, you're not talking to a group, you're not talking to a category. So that's how I see it. So in answer to your question, there's, there's both ways on that one. I still don't like or agree with the system or structure. I just like people more because I'm aware of the fact that they are trapped in it. They're not actually it, if you see what I mean. That is an amazing differentiation, I think, to realize that they're just trapped in it, that most of those people dislike it as much as you do. Or if I they're do. aware of it. If they're aware of it. <laughs> yeah. If Becoming they're aware, aware of it, that's true. Yeah. So there's the whole matrix of health, too. Can oh, yeah. You, can you talk to us a bit about your thoughts there? Um, I will... <sighs> I'll try and sum this up because this could be a long epilogue. Um, okay. The subject of mental health is a strange phenomenon to me in regards to, I personally believe from what I've seen in recent times that there's only some simple attributes to it. It's not the overly complex thing. You don't need seven years in a university studying the ins and outs of something to come out and then find yourself. There's actually 200 different types of psychologist or psychiatrist and they've got all these various descriptions and systems. I think fundamentally as human beings, we have some very simple attributes. We're all different, but we have the same mechanisms or structures as it were in regards to how our mind functions. But I've found that I think most of the issues we have are completely wrongly identified and wrongly labeled because if these people were correct, we wouldn't have these issues but we have these issues persisting and growing more and more yet we're told by the, the medical fraternity that psychiatry or psychology is helping yet the issue is getting worse and worse. So 
on that basic assumption, I think they're going down the wrong road. That they, they obviously haven't got something that's workable. Mm-hmm. Despite mean, all the right. money that's thrown at it, it right. gets worse and worse. It, it's so I don't like, think it's right. Well, it's right. the very labeling, right? Yeah. That's the thing is the labeling of it and the diagnosis is... And the, and the instruction that you are, you, you are this. Mm-hmm. Am I? <laughs> it's, I've seen a lot of uh, psychologists like some are great in helpful and, and, and in techniques or changing a point of view, but there's a lot of enforced reality. It's like you are this and you're going to be this. But what if their theory is completely wrong? They're telling millions of people that they are this when actually their theory could be completely flawed and disastrous. Well, yeah, it's the same with a weird talk about that regularly when you go in for an appointment and you're told that the stats are this and so that's the way it's going to be for you and maybe not not <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, yes. and yeah. in fact the diagnosis disempowers you to even you know yeah put you into fear disempowerment and you're no longer able to create your own reality because you absolutely buy the diagnosis but a yes. lot of people want to feel disempowered by their diagnosis you know they almost insist on oh well i'm depressed so i'm not able to you know go out and find a purpose exercise eat properly go to work all of these things they want at least i've i've seen in in my practice a lot of people want to stay sick well isn't that just an assumption of suicide they're just basically on a low gradient suicide they've given up They've given up. They've given up. They That's all it is, I think. They've given up in some way. And how do we get people who have given up because they're either frustrated with the matrix or the way buying into it. Buying into it, or they don't know how to be happy and coexist within it because they just are, you know, they feel too small to make the changes that they want to globally, which I think we all experience. Um, How do we motivate them to take action? You've got to start with yourself. You have to. It's the the main, from what I'm seeing, the main, and this current year is a perfect example of it, that people are obsessing about things that are hundreds of miles away, way beyond their reach. There is no way they can influence it. I'm not undermining a person's spiritual capability or what they could potentially be, but in the current now, in your current human meat body, you cannot influence those things. So why have attention on it? You, you need to have influence on your own body. Um, you know, a, a, a case in point would be my country's prime minister. I personally think he's a disgrace. He's, his health is diabolical. He can't manage his own hair. How can that man manage a country? It's, it's an absurdity. And I see people who are an absolute mess. They can't manage their wardrobe. They can't manage their kitchen. You need to focus on that. Start with that and take a win on that, on the simple, simple things. You really have to keep it simple and then branch out and expand when you've got a few wins behind you. It's like putting yourself in against an NFL football team and you've just started playing football today. You're not going to win. You're going to get hammered and you're going to hate it. And that's what happens in life because people are outgradient with their life. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even someone that's been diagnosed to find that one thing that they can master yes and then grow on that and in each time you become empowered 
Yeah, because if you buy a diagnosis, you're being irresponsible. You're just giving all your capability over to someone else's decision. He says I'm this, so I will be that. Mm-hmm. That's utterly it's irresponsible. It's very childlike. It's very childlike, isn't it? It's, you know, they said so, so I guess it is going to be this way. Yeah. And to a degree, but children are pretty damn convinced and set on their things, though, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just adults that crush or try and suppress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's a program, right? It has to yeah. constantly be enforced over time, and then we finally buy it at a certain point, yes. like you said, even in your... Yeah, and then we get we get into the news and the media as we get older. Adult talk. Let's talk about politics. Let's talk about world agenda. Kids, they only want to talk about their toys and what's in their room. I think yeah. there's a logic of uh, let's do what the kids do and just play with our toys and our mates in the street. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we give our power away to politics and to health professionals and. I think we're just throwing our attention willy-nilly all over the universe and we've got none left to just focus on our own feet, as it were. It's just you're buttered all over the universe and there's nothing in the actual room. And that, that makes you powerless. Mm-hmm. It's true. You know, it's, it's... Well, it's like the sergeant that says, get up and make your bed first, right? <laughs> yes. That, that, there's a reason they do that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> What were you going to say, Shell? Yeah, no, it's true. It's like that old saying of watch your own plate, you know? Hmm. Watch your own plate. Mind your own business. Make sure... <laughs> you got yeah. that covered first. Make sure you're doing you really well before you... <laughs> yeah, it's the phrase of like, uh, it's the grass is always greener on the other side. And a great person I once heard say, well, the reason it's greener on the other side is because you're busy watching it. You're not doing your own grass. You're yeah. busy watching someone else look after their grass. Thus, your grass gets worse. And that's why the grass is always greener on the other side, because you're just too busy watching it. That's very, very, very good. And, you know, often we hear, oh, I don't have time to exercise. But yet, you know, <laughs> Whatever. we know that, that many of us are spending hours on our phones or watching TV instead of investing that time in our own body. Yeah, I'm, I'm wildly guilty of that at the moment. I don't do anywhere near enough exercise. However, I do, instead of using the car to take parcels to the post office, I do walk. I, I, I do that little bit. I do think, oh, am I doing the right thing about time? But at least I'm getting my body moving. Um, but yeah, no, I should work out more. I need to get over that, that hurdle because I did love working out. I did used to love it. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a discipline thing. And some, some areas of life, I lack discipline, mainly physical. Uh, I don't like mental discipline. It's physical and habit discipline I lack. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and we've also been taught that you have to go to a gym to exercise, but you can can exercise all day long. Exactly, yeah. I run up and down my stairs. (laughs) I've got a terrible memory, so I go up and down the stairs, and I'm like, I get to the top of the stairs, it's like, what am I here? What, what was I getting? And then I come down the stairs and then I remember what it is. So I go back up the stairs. So I spend a lot of time moving because of an absence of memory, which is actually quite beneficial. <laughs> you want to lose calories, then uh, lose your mind, lose memory. It's <laughs> a great useful thing. Right? So good. Yeah. So back to, mm. back to this change. Because when I find I'm truly listening to someone, my heart is very open. 
I'm just trying to get this across, like, because the three of us are talking about it and it's not talked about a lot. But then, then I find like there's this alignment with my, you know, my, I call it my higher self, my more intuitive self, my more knowing self. But once I align with that, I can, I can become more aware of the next doors that are going to open. Like it just, it adds like this vibrational element to life that is very empowering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So have you had that experience? Um, hmm, have I? I have, um, the things that when you say doors open in regards for me, it's, I get in some degrees, I have two curses in life. One, I pick up emotion beyond a, a physical noticing and I can predict things very closely. I have a weird habit of like when I'm driving a car, I know there's a car coming around the other bend. There's no indication or clear of it. It's just a thing. I, I, I sometimes do it just when I'm bored. Is there a car coming? No, there isn't. But then I'll be like, no, there is. Then I start playing the game of what color is the car. And then I start playing games like that. I, I can predict little things like that. It's of no use to me. I should go to the bookmakers and try betting on horses again and, and doing it that way. But for some reason, I can preempt things just before they occur, which is a strange phenomenon. But in regards to a higher self, I don't think I'm anywhere near there yet, but I find it interesting. You say you go to a, to you. Well, how did you, what were the words you use for your going up as it were? Oh, I just become more aligned with who I, maybe my more authentic self, the ah. side of me that is, you know, not always like I, I feel like there's a part of us that understands the universe in a much more expanded way. So oh, okay. when we become aligned to that, we can see, you know, right. More, than More of a native state, okay. as in as in the flock you came from, the the thing that could be termed universal mind or or the thing that the yeah. the God concept as it were. I find an interesting point what you're saying there, because you're saying to your higher self, but if you're looking at higher self, who are you? Well, I'm yeah, like I'm the part of that that just has been shut off in this matrix where I'm okay. not as aware as I would be if I, you know, could open up to that all the time where you could oh, see yeah. everything and you could see the patterns and the matrix and how much yes. everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess it's tuning into that more. Yeah. I, I've, um, I'm aware of, the weird thing is I don't have direct immediate evidence of it, but I know I'm not just a meat body because it doesn't add up that there's more to me than meat or cells. Um, and in many a way, I feel often trapped or stuck in it for the predominance of my life. I've hated being a human. I found it an embarrassing and disgusting thing, and I'd rather be elsewhere. Um, I don't know why I have that philosophy or assumption, but I think a lot of that is the media because it paints this constant thing that humans are bad, humans are bad, humans are bad. And you get that all day long. Uh, and what I see out there is not very good conduct from humans, but then is it individual humans or is it just a few people controlling the humans? Um, but yeah, I, I can see what you're saying about the higher self, uh, but I don't think I'm in connection with it much at the moment or have been of late. I think, you know, that comment that you made, 
made, I really resonate with because I do believe that the media is trying to teach us that humans are bad too, yes. you know, which is why we only get bad news and, yes. you know, why we are inundated with these horrific things um, from reading about history and all, all of the rest of it. We are, we are given this very strong assumption that the human race is a horrible, is a horrible yeah. part of this world. And so, you know, when we analyze ourselves, we think, well, I'm not like that. So <laughs> for the most part, I don't think, you know, yeah. my circle of people, the people that I know and love, they're beautiful humans, but we're yeah. not given that information from... No. I don't remember a class at school where someone said, you know what, the human race are absolutely bloody brilliant. I've not seen that at school where it's been like, today we're going to celebrate humanity. Right. It doesn't happen. And we're going to celebrate a hero that fought a war or, or whoever, but never a celebration of actually how good humans or what the possibility or potential of a human being is. Or, or how about teaching humans how to communicate so they wouldn't even have to be at war? <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> You know, how to, how to share, how to communicate, how to help, how to, you know, be a collective group, mm. you know, that yeah. would be an interesting discussion. And I feel like this world, if we grew up knowing that, there would be so, there would be, there would be much less disease. I guess yeah. that's what I was trying to get at too, because when you truly listen to someone, like you were saying, it's about communication. And there is a vibrational shift into yes. a much more caring, compassionate, loving. Absolutely. As to, it's all about me and I'm not going to listen to you and I don't really care how you're doing today. Mm. You know? <laughs> I, think, I think that's a really important um, realization for humans is that unless we start changing the narr narrative of what it, what it is to be human... I don't, I don't know if the depression, anxiety, all of these mental health illnesses are going to lift because sure. it is quite depressing turning on the news and finding out the horrific things that are happening in the world. Done Why are you turning it on? Humans. Well, I mean, if you were to turn it on, and okay. so I think that is huge manipulation. Mm, definitely. But, yeah. But I, I think too, it's like James says that it starts with each of us and the switch is like within each, each of us and to actually do what you're doing, James, just listening is such a huge, like, I just think it's the way out of the darkness. So, um, yeah. yeah. So how do we do this or, or your audience do this going forward? What do we do to change people? I think the message is just to truly listen to the person that's with you in the moment, you know? And to see the good and to know that the way humanity is being um, exposed through the media on television, et cetera, I don't think is, it truly represents humanity. I don't no. think it does. I mean, I look at all of us as parents, how invested we are in our children. I, you know, I know so many incredible humans. I, I know mostly people are striving to do good in their life and leave a nice legacy. 
but I think that they're also being exposed to this continual message of humans are horrible and fearful and entitled and, you know, we're ruining each other and the planet. And that yeah. message needs to change. Mm -hmm. What do you think, James? How do we change this? Probably just stop talking to people, really. Uh, I've noticed a weird thing in my culture. I don't know whether it's a thing in Canada that you have to arrange weeks in ahead and notice to meet a friend now. You can't just go and knock on the door. Oh, man. That's I don't know when that weird. broke out. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot knock on anybody's door anymore. That is a yeah. social faux pas. Right? Or even ring them. You've got to arrange to ring them now. It's as opposed to, I, I don't get that. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, maybe we should just start knocking on doorbells and just yeah. disturb the neighbors like, hello. <laughs> Never like, go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a certain fluidity to allowing that in your life, isn't there? Yeah. To just accepting, oh, here's a surprise and going with it rather than trying to control it. Yeah. I'm so controlling. And we've been we've become so about how things look instead of how they feel that we would think, oh, oh you know, maybe I didn't perfectly clean the house yet because you've just dropped by <laughs> and like stocked my fridge full of your favorite things. But you're not there for that. You're there just to come by, have yeah. a cup of tea, have a glass of wine, enjoy the company. Yes. Okay. So how many visitations are you both having this week then? <laughs> We don't know because somebody could just come at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's a huge thing is yeah. people need to be able to relax around other people and mm. we need to change the way we, um, we view humanity and we need to be more open with each other in conversation and um, just hanging out at each other's homes, you yeah. know, ne never have we lived in bigger or, or better, but they're empty places. Mm. Yeah, they are. How do you engage with your people, your clients and your practices then? Do you try and open them up as it were verbally? Oh, by listening with me, I, I listen 90% of the hour and a half. And I think through listening is the biggest gift to any patient that ever comes to me. I, and I only talk when I want to draw something out and find out more about the, the individual. Right. Most people say they've never been listened to like that. It's really a powerful gift. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that's one thing I, I like to do in the interviews though, is when I'm speaking with people, because maybe they don't get that amount of time to talk. I don't know. No, most don't. Wow. Okay. So, James, what's what's limited? What was the limiting belief that was given or imposed upon you from someone in your life that you've now realized, you know, that that it was just that and you've, you know, managed to grow beyond it? Um the assumption early on that I was special. That's uh, a weird tricky thing to have put upon one or to buy into uh, because of my the spooky thing about my existence is I know a lot of things without having read it I don't know why um, 
there are subjects that I've naturally just flow into. So as a young person, there was not a challenge in anything to me. I was always sort of like, oh, special. Um, and my mum kept reiterating that, oh, you're special, you're special. In what? I, I know not. And then it becomes, you become isolated. And when you get things wrong, or it doesn't go right, or you don't fit in, that special thing is a very confusing label to then have because you realize that um, you, you've got to correct it. You've got to, and you can't rest until you've corrected it. In all honesty, I think if someone is considered or observed to be special, you should increase their workload and just give them more and more stuff. Don't give them the, the pat on the back and put them in a special group. Just give them more stuff. I think now. Um, so what probably, would, yeah. What would more stuff do? If you more. keep me productive instead of in a in an ivory tower you know it's like oh great yes you can do all that it's good well as you can do that why don't you do this as well why don't you go and clean the car why don't you go and clean the house as well in between that or whatever well do you know what i mean it's sort of i just feel as i think mel robbins has a good uh one of her recent audiobooks covers that area of what you should really be doing as opposed to separating children out into special groups um, because it is quite destructive, really. Because I, th I can, I think we can pretty much assure, if we were to locate children who had been labelled as special between ten, twelve, or thirteen, and if you go and locate them now, ten, fifteen years later, they've probably not performed anywhere near their potential, as was expected or deemed. Mm -hmm. It put too much pressure on them. Yeah. And you developed like a perfectionistic. Yes. <laughs> yeah which if it's not, if it's not good enough don't bother doing it yeah that, there's that weird philosophy of well if you can't do it well don't bother yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's just too much expectation and plus we need to know that we're not perfect right human beings yeah. aren't perfect like we're not there's there is not one alive today that it has that is perfect including me and I, you know, my, my girls have some great skills and I'm always, you know, I, I applaud that when they're great, mm. but you got to point out the places where they're not so great. <laughs> like, so they realize they're not special or perfect. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a gift to have those things pointed out. But yeah, I've noticed in recent uh, times, I don't know what I'm noticing a lot of things, but one clear thing is there's no absolutes you can't have absolute right and you can't have absolute wrong it's mm -hmm. a sliding scale so you can be really good at something but i you can rest assured you're going to have a weakness elsewhere there is no human being that is good all across the board mm -hmm. the weird thing i'm having to deal with is i'm seeing books and famous or successful people who are saying just focus on what you're good at outsource the rest of it if you can't do it and then there's another school of thought saying, well, you're already good at something. Don't work on that. Work on what you're not good at. So I don't know which way to go on that one at the moment. <laughs> which way are you going to go? You don't know? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'd like to outsource everything I don't like doing. Not whether I can do it or not. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that is a, that's an interesting thing because I always feel like if the public school education system was able to help people really um, improve their natural talent or their natural ability, we would, we would have such a better society than 
these mediocre generalists all over the place. Yes. So, but, you know, I do think it's good to work on our weaknesses just for evolution as well as humility. You mm. know, it's like my mom, she's like this fabulous seamstress. And, you know, she would try to teach me how to sew on a button and I would literally injure myself. Like <laughs> me, that was like a, it was a weapon. <laughs> so, right? We're no. not all created equal in, no. in different ways. And Oh, but you know what happens too is like as adults, we, be, we develop inertia because we forget what it's like to be that child that had to spend a long time learning something. And James, you, you were... You learned it very, very quickly. But mm. as an adult, you have to go through the really awkward stage of learning anything. And mm -hmm. it can be even regaining your health. It mm -hmm. starts with baby, baby steps, but we all have this, th this idea that we're going to have it quick yeah. and it's going to be perfect. And then we give up when it doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. We don't realize the hundreds and thousands of hours it takes to be somewhat good at anything. Yeah. Just practicing it. Absolutely. It's a weird thing. So like in, I was a late starter driving. Um, and the weird thing was when I was having driving lessons, the first, after the third lesson, the guy thought I was sent by an inspector to test him. He didn't think I was actually a, a client. He thought mm. I was like a stooge to investigate him because of the questions I was asking. He was like, if you don't drive, you don't do this. Why are you asking those kind of questions? No one really asks those kind of questions. And then weirdly enough, when I was learning to fly, the same thing happened again, that my flight instructor thought I'd been sent by the FAA to <laughs> query him and test him because I was asking questions that no one else asks. And he was like, I, I don't, I don't think you're, you're out, you're who you say you are. But the weird thing was, I still took me a while to learn how to fly and learn how to drive. But the theory and everything in my head was fine, but the application was something different. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, when I was learning to fly, I learned on a computer, first of all. So it was all virtual. Mm -hmm. And the first thing my flight instructor knew when I was really flying a plane was I never looked out the window because I was just staring at all the controls because that's what you do on the flight simulation. He was like, you need to just turn that computer off when you go. Don't ever use it again because you should be learning to fly looking out the window, not staring at the controls but that's someone who's learned virtually you just stir at that stuff and the real world outside is is oblivious which is the thing you should really be paying attention to right mm -hmm. yeah it's even when we're all staring at our phones we're oblivious to what's <laughs> like right there in front of us yeah do you have your pilot's license uh no it's expired yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd have to get it all sorted. I wanted to be an airline pilot, but there's a weird story behind that. I'm using the word weird a lot tonight. You two have brought something weird out. Um, I, when I was a kid, because I was special, I wanted my own airline and I wanted my own airport and I wanted everything like this and I wanted to build this all up. And then as I got older and lazier and didn't do my exams, then the chances of that were not going to go well. Um, and then I wanted to be a pilot, but I didn't have the qualifications. So, okay. So I made a bit of money and the weird thing was, said it again, all, all I wanted was, as a kid was my own plane, but I gave up on that goal. Then I, well, actually I went from an airline to a plane. Then I went down to a goal of wanting to be a pilot for an airline to fly their plane because I was never going to be able to afford it. And I'd shrunk my goal down and down and down and down and down and down. And then there I am in America flying a little two-seater plane. And I was like, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I just shrunk my goal from start to finish and it's got a tiny, tiny little goal. So, what, 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 so then flying the tiny plane became... Shrunken goal. I'd gone all the way from a big airline all the way down to a tiny little plane flying a couple of hours a week. Oh, and, so, I, and I wanted to be a slave for an airline as opposed to actually doing anything to own the plane. Right. So you just gave up, like you just let that whole thing go. Yeah. Whole airplane. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not a good employee. The last thing I should be is an employee for a company because I don't think I'm um, not disciplined. I might be a little bit uproarious. I've had about 30 career starts. And oddly, I've never been fired. I've always chose to walk, but I've, um, yeah, I, I was told by a flight instructor, you would get a job at the airline because you're great company. Cause once you've got your licenses and you've got all your things, what they're really interviewing you for when you go to a job at an airline is whether anyone can sit next to you for eight hours. So, right. um, they said I was advised that I would get an airline job if I got the qualifications, even at a late age, but it was just too expensive and stupid really. <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny though how we do have these big dreams and then depends where life takes us yeah but it's okay that's what that's what's so interesting talking to you you admit all these things and you're so real <laughs> well is it's it, the same is it admittal or am i just whinging am i a whiny <laughs> git or am i admitting something i don't know <laughs> it's good that's all Okay. We, we talk about how no one talks about what it's like when you first have children either. Oh, I hated that. Right? <laughs> it made it into this like big you know, fantasy of how wonderful it's going to be. No, it isn't. It is great. It's horrific. And then, yeah, it's horrific. Like your, yeah. your life has changed forever. Nothing's going to be the same again. <laughs> you may yeah. not leave the house for several months. <laughs> Something's attached to your boob for a long time like yeah. it's just so different from what our imagination you know makes it out to be and it can be yeah. really crushing sometimes oh yeah I, I it's there is a beautiful connection and uh, i do have that with my daughter however physically it's so it's just oh it's it, both the birthing thing that's not a beautiful thing that's horrific and physically destructive then there's the recovery from all that. There's the, the stresses it puts on the relationship. There's so many dynamics that are completely pushed aside and go, oh, no, it's, oh, it's beautiful. It's this, this. Not really. I haven't seen many, okay, you could say content mums, but they look pretty exhausted to me in the main. Mm -hmm. I don't see them skipping through the hills there with their babies all bright and shining. Yes, it's as, it's as the world told me. No, it isn't. Yeah. But it's daft the fact that, We've all gone through this cycle of giving birth or producing children, but no one's passing on the truth. Yeah. I know. It's like this silent handshake that we're <laughs> making with the matrix to also, yeah. you know, keep perpetuating this yeah. propaganda. Or, yeah. When you've had one and then they're like, oh, you're going to have another one. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Fool me once. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> Some That's are so really great. good at it and I really admire them, but yeah, it really rocks your world. And, but it's like that in so many things where it's mm. just not what was in our mind. It's harder. It's harder. It's harder. I think life is harder than, you know, than what meets the eye. 
Yeah. Are you in the same school of thought? Because um, you're, you're local to the man, uh, Mr. Jordan Peterson, where he believes like life is 99% shit and 1% fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty much of that assumption, although I might give it a 98% and 2% fantastic. Yeah. I might be around fantastic. 5% fantastic. <laughs> Five. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's like uh, what's what would that be in time wise? That's uh, oh, that's not even an hour. Is it an hour a day? I can't think. <laughs> One point two hours a day. <laughs> yes. I, I actually we need to stop being so perfectionistic. It's it's even with like we try to take you know teach people how to eat well and perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, can you know? And people stop because they can't be. No. That, perf- that perfect eating perfectly 100 percent of the time so i just peel it off right off the top i'm like i can't yeah. be perfect more than 80 percent, and it often drops on weekends down to 40 like <laughs> so you know let's just lessen the yeah you know our expectations a little bit and then do, talk you, about do, do you use like i've i uh i use a knife and fork eating pizza people people look at me bizarrely um is that common over there or do you use your hands no i like well i like a knife and fork you shall Ah. i it it depends on the company that i'm having the pizza with oh right okay (laughs) now where did this come from james this Um, (laughs) i was just oh you're talking about uh, using cutlery and eating properly i I just remember an ex-partner of mine and she was horrified that i was using a knife and fork and then i've heard uh, Joe Rogan say recently that don't trust people who use a knife and fork with pizza because that's just absurd. That they're dangerous, those kind of people. So I'm sort of thinking, am I am I dangerous because I really just prefer? I just don't like the grease. I I, I don't know. It's just the way I am. I think to touch it. I think we've covered something very big here, which is, yeah. you know, we're all kind of living this life that that we're we're hoping looks good but maybe doesn't feel good and we should flip it we should flip mm. it over on its belly and <laughs> actually have it feel all you know 98% good and only look good 2% of the time <laughs> <laughs> would be okay. that would actually infuse some health and connection and love and healing and community yeah. If we could just hang out with each other and, you know, like the saying is, let it all hang out, yet enjoy each other, offer each other unconditional community, support, laughter, non-judgment. Yeah. Even when you start talking like this. It's freeing. It's freeing and everything opens up. Like you feel more. Oh, yeah. Breathe better. Yeah. And you got us laughing, James. And I love that. Too. Yes. Laughter is so healing. I make no effort. It's just the way I am, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, James, for our listeners, yes. one last thing. Okay. If, if you were given a terminal diagnosis, mm. how would you approach it? How long have I got? As two in years. the diagnosis? Two years. Okay. Your expert says two years. I would immediately seek another opinion and then another and then another. And I would seek other medicines or sciences and seek their opinions. Um, I would find people who'd survived. That's if I decided I wanted to live. If I didn't want to live, 
I might celebrate that and go, yeah, I've got a way out. Uh, and then just lap it up in sympathy for two years. <laughs> or I, I, I could just look for a workable solution because that would be a worthwhile task, wouldn't it? If you found a way out on that situation, then surely you can then help others. So Amen. it's a motivation to do that. Amen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept it blindly. That would be. I, I love how you said that if I decided I wanted to stick around. Yeah, because why did I get the illness in the first place? In some cases, maybe people have predisposed themselves to that situation. We're, we're all different. We all have our scenarios. Maybe in some cases, people have pulled that in because that's really what they wanted. Don't know. I'm not well, saying everyone. Yeah. I'm just saying some cases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And well, to see it as a gift, you know, because it does lead you to another place that you couldn't imagine. Right. Because you're, you? you're either going to accept it and die or you have to change something to want to live. Yes, absolutely. What would you guys do? What would you do, Shell? I think for me, because I felt very similarly to you, that I haven't always enjoyed my human experience, which doesn't mean that I haven't enjoyed, you know, my journey because I have, I've had a blessed life in many ways and I love a lot of people um, and my animals. So I do find a lot of purpose, but the overall message and the overall violence and entitlement and you know, these things have caused me a lot of disease in my life and a lot of sadness in my life. And I think for me, I would really, for me, which I'm doing now, I would have to really rev up the things that I love about this world and just devote my attention to everything that I love, almost to denial of the things that have caused me so much disease. I would almost have to pretend that those things didn't exist uh -huh. um, and dissociate and just, you know, hug trees and be with Jane and be with my animals and be with my family and meet people like you, James, and just really mm. change my human experience to the point that I fall in love with humanity again because I think that that's also a big truth out there. And it's just, it's been covered in this resin mm. that I don't want, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to keep with me. Yeah. Cause it's darkness. And I think I would have to shed that. You Jane? Absolutely. Well, yeah. And me, I always see, I always see adversity as an opportunity. Like part of me likes, to find the piece of the puzzle that will switch everything. And it's why I love homeopathy. I love looking into the unconscious mind and why did this happen in the first place? So that's where I would jump and I would try to find as many people that could help me figure that out and change the lock and key so yeah. that I had that new experience or the new outlook on life that, you know, we're all striving for, but it's a human, it's a human trait to, um, a be programmed for the first years of our life. So we all have these um, deep programs that 
are going to affect us sooner or later. They're going to affect our health. But to figure that out, to me, I find it, uh, I find it interesting. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a detective. So the detective in me would want to try to figure it out, but you need help. And I would see it as a journey. And yeah. I would see that this adversity would bring me to a new place that I n- never could have reached without it. So. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Because everything is happening for our highest good. That is something I do believe in. I do everything? Believe in that. I think so. I think everything because, you know, through these dark experiences, we, we develop our connection to ourselves and others, I think on a deeper level, you know, it's like having friends and you're, and you only do good things and fun things together and it's great, but then something happens and you go through something very difficult together, you know, it, it changes the friendship. It makes it so much more special and meaningful. Mm. Yeah. To find the gift in diversity is it's what life is it's what life is all about and who would think like james we had such a beautiful conversation with you and just so real and these are conversations that need to be had so without your experience and your realness you know and your sense of humor and ability to look at it and just be so honest with it. We, you know, you couldn't help share what you know now. So thank you so much. Thank You're you James, welcome. for being with us. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. It's been great. And to everyone out there, we want to remind you, do not give away your power to anyone else. Just go be you.